0: everyone and welcome back to the perspective and your hosts for the evening are brian and laura laura
1: hello it's your
0: first first time isn't it it is Ooh, are you excited
1: i am very excited yeah
0: i hope so thanks for doing this
1: oh anytime yeah
0: so i would normally want to give you a little bit longer of an intro but we've got a bunch of callers that we need to dive into however if you could just give a brief background about yourself
1: Okay, awesome. So really quickly, um, I just started a few months ago with Unapologetically Me on YouTube. um, And now I recently started a podcast um, called Skeptic Hangout. So I'm kind of working on both of those right now. And I'm doing lots and lots of stuff like this, popping onto people's shows and running my mouth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's fun, isn't it? I love it. Uh, Brian, how are you? Oh, doing just uh, just
2: fine. Uh, Always excited to uh, come back on the... uh... The perspective and take some
0: calls so yeah let's uh let's dive in i'm ready well, to go before we dive in uh anyone watching just know we tackle supernatural and paranormal claims belief in aliens conspiracy theories uh and even political claims we'll take anything and apply a skeptic's lens to it so call the number at the bottom of the screen 951-364-2430 but we're going to jump to our first caller uh Bo wants to talk about why he believes in God. Bo, you're awesome. on with Brian and Laura.
1: Hello, hey. Bo. How are you? Are you there? Brian, do you hear Bo?
0: Crap. Say that again. They couldn't.
1: Oh, Bo, Bo can you hear you us? us?
0: I can hear you guys. <gasps>
1: Hopefully, you can hear me. Yeah, we, we couldn't at first. But we can hear you now. Yeah.
3: Great. Thanks for having me on.
1: Of course. What have yeah. you got for us tonight?
3: So um, somebody came on a Facebook group that I belong to and asked if any Christians would be interested in coming on the show. So here I am. I guess uh, we never really discussed the topic, but um, I guess we'd want to talk about
1: Oh, you just about cut a little bit, but yeah, it sounds like you want to talk about why you believe in God.
3: I'm going to try something else with my audio here. Okay. Hopefully yeah, it sounds like it's cutting it out just
1: a little bit. But yeah, so while you're doing that, um, since you said you don't know a lot about this show, we really just sit around and discuss any kind of supernatural claim. And we discuss how we would look at it from sort of a skeptical perspective, um, how you would test what claims are true or not, or how you can determine that. So really anything you bring to the table, we're interested in hearing about and talking about. Well, very cool. Ooh, and it sounds
2: like we have you without it going in. Well, and out. I guess. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We're we're listening. All ears. Okay.
3: So um I, I guess where I would start with the uh existence of God from a supernatural point. Um, I base my belief um on science, uh laws of physics. Um, I also believe uh base it on information and information not being physical. Um As far as uh, physics and everything like that go, I I would say the only three explanations I can come up with for a universe even existing would be, A, the universe has always been here, Uh, the universe created itself out of nothing, or a supernatural creator brought it into existence, and I think the first two
2: fail based on the laws of physics. So are you...
3: Initial comment.
2: Which laws of physics are we looking at? Did it fail? Did you say that? Yeah.
3: Well, we could look at the first two laws of thermodynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, we could look at entropy. We can look at matter and energy not being able to create itself out of nothing.
2: Okay, uh, entropy. I, I, I like the topic of entropy. Uh, uh, for uh, for the listeners here, can we? Uh, can you just define entropy, entropy for me?
3: um I, I guess at a very uh, i'm not a physicist but at a, mm-hmm. a basic level i would say things tend to break down uh fuel expends its available energy that sort of thing
2: okay um and uh for the universe to be eternal uh
3: i i believe it would be cold and dead by now i don't believe we would still have fires burning and that's why i say the universe cannot be eternal
1: okay uh, okay so i want to jump in really quick with that and okay. ask a question if that's okay yeah. Mm-hmm. So you said there were three different reasons that you can think of for the universe to have come into existence. Um, do you think that it's possible there's any more reasons? Or are those just like are they the only three you can think of, or are they the only three that you think are I've, possible?
3: Well, if anybody could come up with a fourth, you know, I would be all ears and I would love to hear that. I've been asking this question for quite a long time and I've never heard a fourth option that was valid. But yeah, if you could come up with one, I'd be more than willing to to listen to
1: that. Yeah. And just, I mean, just real quick, I don't think that either one of us are like physicists or are specifically geared towards answering those, that, that level of questioning, but I have heard multiple answers that are, um, beyond just those three. Um, but my question is like, we don't know much about the beginnings of the universe other than what we can kind of hypothesize mathematically. So I'm wondering how you come well, to those conclusions that those are the only three.
2: And you know. even mathematically, we don't, we don't, we just go back so far to where the, what right. they call the singularity is so far. That it is our models. What we have as our understanding of the the laws of physics kind of break down at that point. But that's not to say that's the beginning of the universe, but anything that happens before that's speculative, including right. uh, what kind of physical laws were in place, including laws like what you're talking about, entropy and things like that. We can't speculate about anything beyond that point scientifically. That's where that's where science ends right now. We push it back and we push it back a little bit at right. a time, sometimes fractions uh, of a second at a guess, time, but we keep pushing exactly. it back. But anything before that, we just don't know.
3: Sure, and I would say I base my position on what we do know, what we can test, and what we do see in laboratories. For instance, when we use super colliders and we create energy for matter like What would have happened with an energetic big bang what we find is we have equal amounts of matter and antimatter and we don't find that anywhere in the universe today we don't find antimatter essentially anywhere when we should have equal amounts so i i I think what i base my belief on is is what we do know and i think that overwhelmingly points to a supernatural creator if that makes
1: sense. Yeah. So I guess I guess my question would be um, twofold. One is, um, so if you have this, the only way that a create that this could have come about is if it was created, um, and you can't go back before the Big Bang or before what we call the singularity. What is your explanation for how the creator was created? What what is sort of your reasoning there with that? So if a, if a universe can't be eternal, well, I or- mean. How can a creator be eternal?
3: For the big thing to happen, the singularity would have to come from somewhere. The matter would have to right. come from somewhere. The energy would have to come from somewhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. And it's, I think that it, it just popping into existence would violate known physical laws.
2: Would would a god not violate known physical laws as well? To uh, for a god to pop into position, no, I think that's, a, that's, a god popping into existence would be a lot is a lot more improbable. And uh, then the singularity, that's that's just the way that it looks to me, because the singularity is mathematical. We trace, we trace it back to that. Uh, as far as a God, though, I, I don't know that there's any mathematical principles that would necessarily confirm a deity.
3: Sure. And, uh, you, you know, you'd have to obviously argue with somebody that believes that God popped into existence. As a Christian, I believe that God is eternal. But I also believe that, you know, based on foundational Christian teachings, the first uh, page, basically, of the Bible, that God is a spirit. He's not physical. Therefore, he would not be bound to the physical laws.
1: So my question about that is, how does that work exactly? Because you're, you're making scientific claims about the physical world that you say proves the existence of this supernatural thing. And I guess my question is, how do you come to that conclusion? Where is Where is the evidence for that? Or how does that work like scientifically? Where, sure. Yeah,
2: where have we seen sp- yeah, the spiritual? So based on...
1: oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, basically no, what go... I'm saying is based
2: no, I on, on
3: everything we know about the physical laws, we know that the physical universe uh, couldn't bring itself into existence mm-hmm. and it could not be eternal. And I think okay. that leaves us with the only viable scientific option being a supernatural creator, somebody outside of the physical had to have brought it into existence
2: why does it have to be somebody I, um, I i guess i don't understand that um where where we make that leap from it being something outside of our known understanding of the cosmos uh must set this into motion or our st- understanding
3: of the universe i'm saying outside of the physical something not physical
1: and that's my question is how do you determine that like how did you come to the determination that absolutely it is true that something exists outside of the physical world.
3: Well, that's my whole point. If if it can't be created from nothing, it's eternal. So, what are the properties of the a god that exists outside? That I know of. If you can come up with a fourth option, I, I would love to explore that. But I, I've never heard a viable fourth option.
2: I, I don't know that, that this is a viable fourth option. There's, I think we're making a, a logical leap here to. Uh, to go from we we, from what we understand about the the physical laws of our universe, uh, that things need to adhere to you know this to these laws, uh, but our laws break down when we go back this far. So therefore, there's a god beyond that 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 doesn't follow to me. I'm I'm not sure where you get. I can I can get the yeah we go back here and then we don't know we don't know which is what you know, science is saying right now, I don't know where we go from. We don't know to that. There's, there's God. a God.
3: Yeah. Hey, hey, Brian, can I just correct one thing you said? You said, if we go back far enough that the laws of physics break down, That that's not the point I'm making. I'm definitely saying that the the laws of physics have not broken down. I'm saying they were true. The universe came into existence and they're true now. I'm okay, not so saying th- they broke down. I'm saying. That's actually valid. what
2: the big, is it is it's, it's, it's where is our, our
3: secular that goes with the big bang that has to violate the known laws of physics and say well the laws of physics had to have been different when the universe came into existence so that wouldn't be my position
1: so yeah. just to just to make a correction on the scientific claim here it's not that the the actual laws of physics breaks down it's that our understanding of the laws of physics breaks down so we just do not have the understanding to determine what happened Um, at a certain point back into our past based on what we see in the present moment. That doesn't mean that there are no laws that can account for the Big Bang. It just means that we don't know them.
3: And and that's fair. And that's why I would say that the evidence and what we do know and what we do test and what we do observe points to a supernatural creator at this point. Um,
1: And that's where I'm confused because I see a lot of physical stuff that I can test and touch and talk about But I don't see how a a being with intent and with action and with intelligence can exist but not exist and be physical but not physical and have thought but not thought. I'm just having a really hard time wrapping my mind around this
3: being. Thoughts aren't physical. They are when it comes to chemical reactions. The fundamental Christian position is that God is spirit. He's not physical. So how does well, that work down well, the physical
2: law? You're, I mean, thoughts
3: aren't physical. Ideas aren't.
2: Thoughts physical. are thoughts are yeah, chemical and elect electroreceptor reactions, synapse firing in your brain. Um, they are physical. We can we can we can actually X ray your head and see them going off in your in your mind. They can ask you questions. They can have you play the violin. You Can't, you can't
3: taste a thought. You can't. You can you
1: well, can I measure mean, what, it. What, those is, what does a
3: feel like? You can't...
1: Anyway. Okay. So, so I guess my question is you have this, you have this concept. I'm sorry, what?
2: No,
3: I was I'm sorry. No, go ahead.
1: Okay. No, I was just, so my, my question that I don't feel like you've answered that I'm kind of trying to wrap my mind around is you have this concept of this thing that, you know, exists and this thing that, you know, exists has properties that, you know, work and that they explain the the beginning of the universe and why we're here in our reality and my question is how do you come to that determination that this being that has these these properties actually exists versus an idea or a theory that you have in your head
3: i i base it on the first two laws of thermodynamics that the universe a rock a fire cannot create itself from nothing and that a fire cannot burn forever those are the first two laws of thermodynamics and if those two are both true and and hold up, then what would be another plausible explanation for the universe coming into existence, other than a physical, powerful, uh, personal, which I could get into later
1: as to why I would think it would be personal, being, bringing that. Yeah, existence. we'd have a long leap to get from where we're at right now to the the personal part. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, I
2: I haven't really, so far the stuff you've listed off, I haven't really agreed with much of it. um uh so let's go back through though like I don't want to get into personal. What was the first characteristic that you were giving? The, oh yeah, okay, so first of all the thermo, thermodynamics, okay so the second law of thermodynamics uh, is that you know uh entropy essentially uh what we talked about at the beginning it's you know things uh winding down essentially it's a uh, you hear it as a uh, an argument for, the universe not being as old as as, as it is. Yeah. Um, So how old, uh, how old do you think that the, the, that the universe is based on what we see? Do you think that it's the 13.8 billion years that, that that, that the model shows? Uh, No,
3: I I don't. And what's interesting is I just heard a study come out uh, not too long ago. Now that they may be off, Years, but uh, that that aside, um, I, I do believe based on the science and the Bible. Okay, so if the models, if the model is built, well, hold on, hold on,
2: because we we need to address that real quick. So, if the model is built to show that we're the, the state we're in right now, as far as moving towards entropy is what they expect based on the model that we've built, then it's what we're seeing is what we expect to be seeing in within the within the framework of the model, right?
1: What he's asking is, is there a is there a flaw that you're seeing to the model that we have that shows that our universe is as old as we think it is, which I'll grant is updated as we get more and more information about the universe.
3: Sure. uh, Yeah, I think there's a lot of issues with the uh, the dating of the universe. But um, I mean, getting back to the entry point, my, my point really isn't how old it is or how young it is. My point is that it can't be eternal.
2: Fire, who said it was who said it had to be eternal? That's definitely that? not my model doesn't say it's eternal.
1: Well, I'm yeah, making the point that it can't be. But but it you're, can't making, be you're making you're making a scientific eternal. claim that now so you're saying it can't be eternal. We don't know that for sure based on the evidence that we have. We can say it appears not to be. Well, surely it it appears not fire can't be. burn forever. Right, but we don't know what's beyond universe our universe be cold and dead. It would all be right.
3: It would be cold and dead there would be no fires in outer space i mean that's you know, but that's
2: not what our model shows our model shows that it'll be where it is now why would you why do you why are you thinking it would be cold and dead because
3: a fire can't burn forever it would expend its available energy and it's, it's eternal if it's if it's always been burning it can't just uh, a perpetual motion machine is, is so like anything that's burning's it's always space, it's
2: always been burning no, I'm saying
3: it, it, if it was always burning, it would not still be burning. I'm saying all the fires would have eventually burned out. Just like when you have a campfire, it eventually burns out.
1: Okay, you but let's let's
3: campfire. This campfire has been here for millions. Yeah, of but years. you can throw
2: new logs on it. New new fuel can be added to the fire. Uh we're making you're making an assumption that 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 the model for our model to work uh that it had to always been burning to 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 not begin at the at the Big Bang, and that's not the case. It's that we don't know from before, but we've, the the fuel has been there. We don't we don't know uh, how long or what ignited it. Uh, uh, using your your fire analogy, we don't know what ignited it. So, uh, or, or when it ignited, even because, like I said, it's just, the Big Bang is just when our model breaks down, when our our understanding of the physics of, of the time period breaks down. That's not saying it's the beginning. But we don't know is, is the current answer, but uh, no one's claiming it, oh, it had to go on forever or anything like that or that it's that it, that it started at this point. It's I don't know is the is the current answer.
3: OK, yeah. And, and I've talked to plenty of atheists and I would say that that's probably the majority view is that it is eternal to be honest with you, that's kind of what I
1: found. That's kind of a bit of an argument ad populum, where it's like, because a lot of atheists that may or may not be educated in science believe a certain way that therefore it represents like the scientific view or the, the what we think is the correct view. I would say that's a little bit, um, it's an incorrect way of looking at it because I, I can tell you from my perspective as an atheist, most atheists I know don't think that the universe is eternal. So now it becomes like a tit for tat, you versus me, what do atheists believe? But what I'm more interested in is is why you believe what you believe. And um, it sounds an awful lot to me like um, sort of an argument from ignorance. And I don't take offense to the term ignorance. It just means like what you don't know, you don't know, right? So you're arguing, well, I don't know how this is possible, no. therefore God. And I'm trying to get from the I don't know how this is oh, possible yeah. to the God. I'm sorry, go ahead.
3: Oh, no, I, I don't take any offense to that. I know exactly what you mean. The argument okay. from incredulity or... Uh, yep. A God of the gaps theory, and that's not what I'm. I'm trying to say. I'm saying it's a positive answer based on what we know, based on what we see, based on what we can test.
0: So,
1: so what can my- what can we say based on the the laws that you're talking about? Like, okay, the universe. Let's let's assume, for the sake of argument, that you're correct. The universe has to have had a beginning and an end, and that the universe is going to run out of energy, that it's going to burn out. Um, how do you get from those two things being true to therefore what created the universe is this thing with these properties. That's what I keep kind of going back to, is I think we all agree on what we observe now, and I think we all agree on what is currently our reality. Where we disagree is where you get from the I don't know to the therefore here's this thing with these properties. And so that's what I'm trying to kind of eke out of you. It sounds redundant, but I'm just not quite understanding how you come to that conclusion.
3: And I would just reiterate that. I've been asking for a fourth position for, for many years. I've never heard anything viable. So what I guess it boils down to, and we can move on to a different topic after this, but what it would boil down to for me is that as far as what I've seen and what I've
1: Oh, you cut out a little bit. Are you still there?
3: Based, based on the science, that...
1: yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah, you cut out yeah. so if you I can just hear you
3: yeah okay yeah so uh, I don't know how much you heard but I I said we can uh, also we could move on after this but what I'm I'm still looking for a fourth uh viable that I'd be more than willing to consider but based on what we know now based on what we study based on all the science that I've studied it seems to me the only plausible and scientific explanation is a supernatural creator. I, I can't come up with a fourth option. And, I, and I'm just saying for me personally, that's where the evidence points
4: to.
2: I don't think but that we haven't got it option, close uh, to that being what the evidence points to. Um, I, we would like to talk to you uh, uh, about some of your other stuff here. uh, uh some of your additional, uh, things that you had mentioned that you, that we could get to. Unfortunately we're short on time. We got a few calls waiting in the queue. So will we be able to get you to call back maybe next week or uh or the week after? If you want to talk to me the week after. Sure, I'll though. call
3: back and we can we can talk about how life is information based. If oh that'd okay. be a good topic yeah. to pick
1: back up on. We'll yeah. Definitely yeah. uh it was fun talking to you though. I really enjoyed it.
3: No, thank you guys. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Yeah thank you Bo. Sorry right for the phone. Oh, it might not even be on your end. I don't know. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. So I think, um, what Ethan was saying was moving on to, uh,
2: I think we got Ricky. Ricky, Ricky waiting in the queue. Uh,
1: so Ricky says, um, paradigm adventure ghosts exist and are real. Ooh, that sounds cool. So Ricky, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? We're doing awesome. Thank you. I just answered for Brian.
5: You're doing awesome. You're right,
2: now. though. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling pretty good tonight.
1: Oh, fantastic. So, Very Ricky, good. yeah, let's get I into this. That.
2: Yeah. Ghost, yeah, what's up? Uh, I'd like to hear about some real ghost.
5: Oh, yeah. Um, so, my name is Ricky. Um, I am a paranormal investigator here from Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, I just started youtube i started my adventure six months ago Um, i'm really big into the paranormal i've never done anything like this before i've always watched tv shows like ghost adventures paranormal states different kinds of shows um but you know i started this journey on my own um, trying to find out the existence of ghosts are they real like is this something that goes on or are they or is it just scripted stuff or but I can assure you that this stuff is real. this is hundred percent real. I've seen it with my own eyes um, back in uh, five months ago. Uh, that's the only time I only encountered a ghost in front of my face and caught on camera. Um, all the other times I've investigated was abandoned buildings in Indiana, Chicago. Um, I invested Yorktown Memorial Hospital in Texas. Um, all, all kinds of different things that happened to me over the past six months. And it made me into a huge believer than I, I already was.
1: Okay, so you've been ghost hunting now for six months, you said?
5: Six months, yes.
1: Okay, so what was it during this time or even maybe before this time that convinced you um, from ghosts may or may not be real to yes, they are real? What What specifically was it that convinced you?
5: Yeah. um, So I always believed that that it was real, but, you know, having your own experience and having, you know, seeing what I saw made you a a hundred percent believer. Like, what is that? Like, what did I just see? What did I just capture? And that's what really made me a believer uh, in that, in that field. And, you know, I've always been interested in this type of uh, work, this type of field for over 15 years since I was like a very young age. And, you know, I just recently, recently I just started doing this on my own. I, I watched YouTubers do it. So I'm like, I could do it as well, you know, and this is the stuff that I capture.
1: So if I were to ask you for like, say um, one or two examples of evidence, uh, what is, what is the evidence that you have that these ghosts, because I know personal experience, a lot of people have a lot of different personal experiences that may or may not be related back to a real event. Um, or or as something that would be considered a ghost. so what what specifically is your evidence?
5: My evidence would be the videos that I put out. so one one interesting thing that I can come to figure out during during my six months of doing this it's uh, I don't know if you guys are um, familiar with the s b eleven spirit box.
1: No, no, I think I've heard it mentioned when so I've watched they, this uh, show in the past, but yeah.
5: Yeah, so it's basically a radio station, basically uh, just played backwards, backwards in a different, uh, different speeds and spirits are able to manipulate that white noise. And you could actually hear the voices from that spirit box and many, many times in my videos, these spirits know my name without me saying my name. And that is very um that is very compelling to me. How is a spirit knowing my name when I have never said my name walking into this location? And it's been very, uh, it's it's been more than one location that this happened. this is a box. They were on my videos. Mm
1: -hmm. I was just going to go back to the spirit box thing to make sure I understand. So it's a box that you play radio stations or radio waves backwards. Like how does that work exactly?
5: Yeah. So you can manipulate this spear box however you like this certain spear box that I have has a, a, a uh, am and FM playing at the same time you could manipulate them as in how fast you want the the uh, the uh, radio stations to go um, they some some are very slow like channel channeling to different stations very slow or very fast I like putting my my um, my settings on very high very fast and reverse it because if you listen to the radio forward you could hear voices like just like i'm talking right now
1: that was me. my question i would have reversed
5: the radio station and you hear voices like i'm talking right now that's kind of questionable like you can't hear voices backwards
1: have you ever heard have you ever heard of the satanic panic do you know what that is
5: uh what was that again
1: have you ever heard of the Satanic Panic? Uh,
5: a little bit. It was the Satanic, uh, what was it again?
1: Satanic Panic. And it's okay. I'll, I'll go ahead and explain. So uh, no, a I lot of people freaked out because, out because when you took albums that were like heavy rock albums and you played them backwards, um, they were hearing, oh, like, these different oh, yeah. words oh, yeah. oh, yeah. out, like, different messages. Yeah. Ozzy
2: Osbourne was the one I remember the most. Well, yeah, I, the, the yeah. Alice Cooper, too. But Ozzy Osbourne, yeah, you play him backwards and, he, and oh, what's you he saying him? here? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and what they've determined is that, like, yeah. language has certain sounds and, and textures and stuff to it. And that just statistically, if you play things backwards enough, enough things are going to sound similar enough to other words that you're going to pick up on them, Right. And so sometimes you'd listen to that yeah. and just hear gar- garbling and gooking and not really know what it is. But then when they tell you the lyrics that you're supposed to hear and then you listen again, suddenly those lyrics become clear. Or if they say, hey, there's a voice in here It's going to say a word, listen for it. You'll you'll listen for the one little bit of that, that garbly gook that sounds Ooh, like a word. Remember
2: the, uh, the Laurel and Yanny thing that went around on the... Uh, uh- I think it was social media where you played a little video and some people would hear it saying Yanny and some people would hear it saying Laurel. So do you remember that? Cause it, it, it's the same deal.
1: Somebody in chat just said the name of it. It's para. It's I can't.
2: Paridolia. Yeah. Okay.
1: I was about to say, I don't want to try and pronounce that. Um. Yeah. So there's, it's actually a phenomenon and it's well studied scientifically um, as being a mental phenomenon as being something that our minds do because we're pattern seekers. Um, so my question to you is, mm-hmm. when you're playing radio waves backwards and you know that there's voices going over these radio stations, and you play them backwards and you hear a bunch mm-hmm. of garbage, but then every once in a while you hear a word, how do you determine that that word is a ghost yeah. versus just your brain recognizing sort of the sound or the cadence and deciding it's a word?
5: Um, yeah, so I er- every time I, I um, do an investigation, I listen closely to, to what it's saying. Mm-hmm.
1: Later on,
5: I review what I capture. And that's when I make my judgment, judgments and what it's saying. Sometimes like, I, I get different words that don't make sense. Sometimes I do get sentences that do make sense. And not, do, not only do they make sense, it's something that I'm asking. Like, um, you know, like I could ask, like, what are you guys doing here? And then it, it gives me a, an intelligent response back. And that's when I know it is something, it is basically a spirit. Basically I just thought of a cool experiment a, we could do.
2: Um, would you be up yeah. for something like one of your investigations? Uh, I think you, yeah. You, yeah, you, yeah, sure. Ethan I'm, I'm... Ethan was down for having some contact information. Oh, shared. <laughs> so, um, so on your next investigation, uh, if you take some EVP, could you do like, uh, like mm-hmm. when you review it, you listen to it, uh, write down what you're hearing from the, the, the EVP. Okay. The, what you hear it saying. And then a third party listens to the EVP on a different piece of paper, writes down what they think it's saying. And you both fold it up and put it in an envelope separately and Ethan could open it on the show. So we can see if, uh, if that,
1: that is brilliant. And the other thing you can do is deliberately ask it different That's- questions, but listen to the same strip of, of voice and see if everybody's questions get answered. Because I really think that there's a strong confirmation bias okay. going yeah. on here,
0: and not only that. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, since you're from Chicagoland, I have been <gasps> looking for another paranormal investigator to take me out. Because originally, I was going to be going this coming weekend, but the person uh, unfortunately canceled. So I would totally love uh, to come with you if you can come up with like a list of places. I'll bring my 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 camera. Maybe you know a couple people or. At least one other person to help film, and I would love to follow you on some haunts.
5: Oh yeah, that would be something that I would be really down for.
1: Yes,
5: and that's actually a good idea that, that you did uh, say. You know, um, you guys hear something, and I hear something. I write it down. You guys write it down, and that's a really really great idea. I would. Yeah,
2: because that. <laughs> that will cipher out some of yeah. the. Uh... And I'm not saying we're we're all going to hear something different, but who knows? Let's find out. It's a good test of this of this phenomenon.
1: Yeah, that would be my next thing to say is um, if there is a phenomenon out there that can be measured, seen, observed, even if it's over these radio waves, there has to be a way to test it Mm -hmm. scientifically and to back it up and to verify it. And a lot of times, these double blind studies Mm -hmm. are how they determine whether or not something's true or not. But my question to you is, um, how open are you to the idea that, like? for example, I would have to say like, I have to be open to the idea that ghosts are real and that I'm misunderstanding. And that if the proof is there or if someone can demonstrate it to me, Mm -hmm. I have to acknowledge that they're real because they are. Are you also willing to acknowledge that there's, there's perhaps something going on here that, um, that your brain is doing or that where you're confirming like um, that your beliefs are true, even though someone's presenting with you, like with counter evidence that it might not be like, how open are you being wrong? uh, You
5: know, like, um, yeah, like, you mean, like, like self-conscious Yeah. So like your brain is, it's.
1: And I don't mean to Mm -hmm. put you on the spot there. I know that's kind of, it's kind of intense, but we're we're trying to have a discussion to determine what's true and what's not. And so my question to you is like, how interested are you in that? Like, if there are scientific explanations for this, are you interested in hearing them? Mm Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Oh yeah, I, love hearing I am that.
5: absolutely, absolutely yes. Yes, I am very open to everything, wh- whether it is debunking things that I capture or other people or capture. confirming. I am yeah. very open to that.
1: Yeah, confirming. Um,
5: and and that's funny that you said that. Um, I actually sent out a video, uh, from my one of my ghost hunts when I captured a lady in white. Um, I I. Didn't want to confirm it right away 100% that it was real, but you could see it. It's real. So it's funny that you say that because I just emailed the University of Loyola to uh, analyze that, that video and make sure it's authentic and it's not Matrix in any way or it's not my flashlight. Um, but yeah, I'm op- always open to debunking things because at that the end of the day, awesome. it's, it's something that I'm very passionate about and want people to know that this stuff is real.
1: Yeah, and, and if it if is, I get
5: that confirmation that it's real, then, you know, it'll, it'll open some eyes for some people.
1: That is really cool. Well, I know I can already tell that that Ethan is really excited to get in touch <laughs> with you. So we are we are going oh, yeah. to start moving on the next caller because shockingly enough, we have we have a lineup tonight. So and I'm really excited about that. But I want to make sure that we get to everybody. So Ricky, we're going to let you go. But that was oh, nice. really yeah. cool talking to you. Yeah. I am going to watch when if, if you and Ethan meet up, I will be watching that video. It sounds good.
5: Thank
1: you. Sweet. Thanks Ricky. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's really cool to be able to actually scientifically test stuff versus just like throwing stuff out there and making claims like that is the kind of stuff I like.
2: Yeah. I I love that he was willing to, you know, to say, yeah, let's, let's do this experiment. Let's find out uh, what we, uh, whether this is, uh, is holding up to scrutiny or not. Uh, let's let's pop over to Corey, though, from South Carolina and see... Uh...
1: Yeah, let's do it.
2: Corey, hey. with us? Hey.
1: Yes. Okay, there we go. Hey, Corey. So it says we should be more logical hey. and aware of our biases. Can I be the first one to say I agree?
4: Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, I think we should be... I know that we pick a side and stuff and we wanna try to do the best to represent ourselves. but I do think we get carried away and we overlook certain things.
1: Okay, so can you give me an example? I mean, I agree, but
2: yeah. I wanna say that that's basically what biases are. It's when you you overlook things because of your personal experience. Uh, But yeah, go ahead.
4: Okay, for instance, uh, going through the BLM movement, it's like yes, we want uh, the we don't want racism. We we're totally against that and stuff, right? But okay. stuff like was like the defunding the police and stuff like that, right?
1: Not with defunding- me as a
4: cashier. Yeah.
1: Oh, go ahead. I I might not agree with everything that you're that you're putting out there, but go ahead and finish. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, me as a cashier, I can see some some actual racism actually happening and stuff. I can see where there are some racial differences, and so it's not. But be- and a good example of this is as a cashier. Uh, I'll be getting people coming in with IDs, right?
1: Okay.
4: And I'll be asking them, hey, uh, do you have your ID? More than less, I mean, more likely, a black man is not going to have their ID. Now, I don't think that's personally on them. I think anybody would experience the same way. I look at it as a foundational issue. I look at it through heritage and stuff like that that there's certain things that hey uh, a black man's not going to want to show his i d as much because he's scared of the officers, and that's been dated that down through generations,
1: so I just want to be clear, you're saying they don't they don't even keep their i d on them. Is that what you're saying? yeah, okay. um
4: a white man's gonna have more likely their id
1: okay and you've observed this and that's usually how it works okay okay
4: yeah i work as a cashier so i can verify this i got cameras and stuff i got audio i can verify all this
1: and i believe you corey i wouldn't even ask for you to verify it my my question though is um so you're you're talking about us being more aware of our biases i'm assuming you mean Mm -hmm. us as atheists so how how are you tying in a black man having, being less likely to have an ID, tying that into our atheist biases? I'm a little bit confused how those two connect.
4: Okay. Well, I, I just think that we kind of go towards how, as atheists, right? Mm-hmm. We're already, uh, we already get picked on, we already, well, we're already the uh, less of, you know, we're already.
2: We're a marginalized group. Sure. I, mm. I, I can agree with that. Or Yeah, we're
4: the marginalized group. And so we're naturally going to go to fight for equality. We're naturally more likely going to go with the majority yeah, marginalized group of in... a group that's going to support.
1: Yeah, strengthen numbers like right? black yeah.
4: African-Americans.
1: Right. Yeah. Th- you know?
4: Mhm. So, so I, think- I was bringing in the ideas of stuff like that. Yes, we do care. I think that's this natural for rights. I think there's this a line where we need to draw on certain issues. It almost like, uh, I don't uh, think uh, a defunding a police force. I think organizing in certain ways like taking the money that they already have and organizing it in a different way is the better of doing that. Find the resources for Black African Americans, so when they get out in the world, they're not just doing crimes back up again.
2: Actually, the uh, defund the police. That's we- what it was. That's what it was about was reallocating that uh, the funding towards other social services to supplement police. It was just a really bad. Uh, way of of selling the idea by call by making that the hashtag and making that the name of the movement was it was bad bad pr uh that that wasn't the the initial uh i I don't i don't support that that uh that notion that they would actually you know take just take the money from from all the police and uh, no what we need to do is, is is about it's about police reform it's about reforming reforming our legal system it's about uh basically reforming the whole entire judicial branch is, is what the movement is really pushing for if you think about it.
4: Yeah, and that's why I was trying to say it's like, I get what the movement actually means and stuff, but coming from an outsider perspective, it can come off as that. And like you said, bad PR. There's right. just certain yeah. ways that we should approach situations. We shouldn't just a p- promote a movement, until we tell them exactly how we feel about it and the tell them, like, hey, this is what you should do and this is what we mean by this. We should be promoting it through that way.
1: So this is where social activism gets really super fuzzy, right? Because you have social activists that exist on this spectrum. And so we could take Black Lives Matter, LGBT, um, atheists, any any like Asian Lives Matter, any marginalized group that has sort of an activist core to it, you have this spectrum. And so when you say like, be careful aligning yourself with that, um, that activist movement, I agree with you, like you should know what they represent and what they're calling for. But when you have this fringe group that's sort of either miscommunicating or overcommunicating or getting violent about something, um, I really hesitate to say that it's good to allow that fringe group to scare us away from all rallying together. Right. So there's, there's some, like some parts of the LGBT movement that I might not agree with, but I'm still going to support the rest and some parts of uh, black lives matter, but maybe not defunding the police. Right.
2: Individuals can be radical without the whole movement being radical or extremist. Right.
1: Right. And I do agree though, um, Corey, with your, with your statement that we we need to understand what it is that's being represented and we need to speak to like either against whatever that little bit is or. We need to speak for the bits that are good. We need to do better at communicating what our stance is. I agree.
2: And can I just clarify? Cause I yeah, don't need and- any miscommunication. When I said uh, uh, re- reforming the uh, retooling of the judicial system, I meant the court systems, the police would actually be on the executive uh, side of the, of our government, I believe. Uh, but they need reform too, of course. And that's, that's, it's all part of the same movement and push for that. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, I think since we're logical and we try to promote, uh, skepticism and we try to get, uh, Christians to understand, uh, like, hey, we're used logic when they see logical headlines and stuff, right? Uh, like defunding the police and we get on the bandwagon on that without saying, uh, our, point of view on the subject, I think it can actually hurt us.
1: I think you're right there. I I agree. I think we should get better at communicating. Yeah. And getting our platforms to be clearly articulated. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And I think we just get away with certain things. It's like, we hop on the bandwagon and we're too clear. We hop on it just because it's what we represent. It's what we stand for. And that's what we want. But if there's something that is going to hurt us in the long run, right, and actually be detrimental, we might need to reevaluate how we say something.
2: Right? Yeah. And that's that's been a problem with a lot of progressive movements uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, both real and fabricated is uh, uh, kind of a bad take on, on what progress means and what steps we need to take. Uh, I think we, I think me and Laura are both pretty much in agreement with what you're totally, saying here. Yeah. So uh, unless you have any, uh, any final thought, we got to pop over to our next call. So we make sure to get everybody in.
4: Okay. I'll call back next week. Uh, handling some apologetics and stuff like that. Uh, but I
1: like it, yeah.
4: Other than that, I think I'm good.
1: Cool, thank you, Corey. Yeah, I think you made a good yeah. point. Thank you for calling in.
4: Uh,
1: All right, I think we are moving on to Isaiah who says, yeah. why would the supernatural even exist? So, wonderful question. I think it's a good one to move on to. Sort <laughs> of
2: hey there isaiah hello hi hey, how's it going brad doing all right uh, aloha, laura Good to
6: see aloha
1: you. thank you you too <laughs>
2: yeah, calling from the
6: big island so yeah um and also uh um i have the fourth option for your first caller oh um, and it ties tell. into why the supernatural would even exist so um this is kind of this is an older idea of the deity instead of it being immaterial it's actually absolute substance it is the highest possible energy density that space can even hold i know it seems like a radical concept but um you're familiar with the initial singularity of the big bang that idea yes yes okay Mm -hmm. so combine that with quantum field theory in other words it's not an infinitesimal point like dot the field of the uh, thing the singularity Imagine it like an infinite quantum field. It, just, it has no end. And even embedded in the logic of the Big Bang story, the singularity is all there is. There's no nothing space outside of it. It it effectively has no borders. So it's a little bit of a conceptual shift there to think of it as an infinite uh, substance. And then space times arise like bubbles in that substance.
1: I think I've heard this theory before, actually. Yep. Yeah, the idea that universes are actually bubbles and that there might be many of them.
6: Yeah, yes, yeah. We, we could go into a, a multiverse theory. But so here's the thing. Um, when when a, 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 this bubble is open, okay, it's kind of like the original substance, this hyperdense uh, cork soup is what science would call it. Um, it's just the smear of subatomic particles to the point of a the liquid. There's no space in between individual particles there are no individual particles there it's actually not possible because there's no empty space space is filled
1: okay so, so i have to cut you off
6: yeah.
1: yeah yeah i have to cut you off super quick because you're getting really scientific really fast and you're going to start talking way over us and yeah. it's going to be really hard to go all back right. so first of all like i have a couple of questions okay. right off the bat so this thing that you're presenting to us go just so, so that i'm kind of clear are you presenting cuz it says why would the supernatural even exist? Are you are you presenting a a theory of how there is no god but what the universe is like?
6: Uh no, I am I'm a uh, perennial tenentheist. In other words, uh, the perennial philosophy is that words. the many different things that we see comes from a single source and that all actual spiritual traditions are different takes on a fundamental a reality that we do share.
1: Okay, and, and so it's then panentheism, Yeah.
2: Okay, I, I, I know pan. Is yeah, that... I know panentheism. Okay. I don't,
1: and maybe the call the listeners okay, don't cool. either. So, really quickly, what is it?
2: Well, he kind of just I think it just, explains like it's just oh,
1: Okay, that's what it is then. Okay, all. yeah,
6: yeah, all the, the stuff dot. that we find here is within a larger God, pan in theism, all. Okay. So, anyway, long story short. If you consider this oceanic singularity, this is this is the almighty. There's nothing possible greater, and I would argue that it is the only thing worthy of the title God. There's no possible greater thing than an infinite absolute. So, so it sounds like you're defining. Aside.
1: Think of it. Okay. I'm sorry. What? You're de- so you're defining the universe as being God, like the universe and everything in it no. is God.
2: Sort no. of is. Uh, is oh, oh, you have to bear with on. the one to, who's
1: never heard of this before.
2: <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to tell you what you believe. Okay, I'm just uh, from my experience with. Uh, with yeah, go ahead.
6: Yeah. Okay. So if you can imagine this infinite singularity like liquid light, it is just an ocean of liquid photons. Universes are places where the space is bent apart, and the inherent forces, like this is pure physics, are spectrum depart just like a rainbow. Okay, and okay. our type of matter. Out of one of six types is in one of this, the, the, let's go with six colors uh, that, that are unfolded when a universe gets lofted open, okay? Our type of material does not rise by itself. Um, and we actually have scientific evidence of the universe being able to stabilize five other types of matter. One of them is in the standard model of particle generation. And just real quick, we got quarks, oh. right? But hold on just just real quick yeah, before we course. before
2: we move too far into it i, yeah. I just want to uh clarify something because it's it's my understanding that that the uh this when the universe was in this the singularity state uh that it, that there was no matter that it was uh that, that there was an energetic state uh before the uh, as yeah. the point of the singularity yeah. i have
6: it, heard that before yeah yeah it's beyond matter like atoms atoms are like 0.0012 space is 1% actual stuff taking up the volume. And then we go further into quantum field theory. Those actual subatomic particles are excitational states of universe-spanning field. So it's more like water droplets jumping off the surface of water because it's being vibrated. So what we're calling actual stuff isn't really – it's made of very, very, very small amounts of what we call actual stuff. So what I'm talking about is no space between subatomic particles. It is far denser than matter. I mean, we would get into the nuclear pasta type stuff in the middle of neutron stars to find anything of comparison.
1: Okay, so just to kind of of bring it into like some sort of really coherent argument that we can talk back and forth about, because I could probably listen to you talk about this for about an hour and probably understand very little of it. (laughs) Um, What I'd really rather do is like kind of start to go point by point and sort of, Either digest it and sort of start to understand it, or maybe pick it apart and ask some questions about it. um There's a lot to unpack here. Sure. Yeah, and there's just too much for the amount there of the show we have left. And so, dang it, like I I could spend okay. hours talking to you about this, but I I need to kind of bring okay. it back down to. Something. I can wrap it up real fast. Well, if I could just ask you like a question, can or I wrap two. it up. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Sure. Go for it. Okay.
6: <laughs>
1: okay. So, so,
5: basically
6: so when a universe is spectrum, <laughs>
5: sorry, nope, you go, go ahead. ahead. I'll
6: let.
1: No, no, I just, I just wanted to let you finish, go ahead.
6: Okay, so when a universe is spectrumed open, our type of matter is only one of the six colors that simultaneously arise. And the other colors would represent other, um, you could call them membranes or regions of space time that are in this universe, but are beyond our observable sphere. So they're parallel like membranes that we share the universe with. And this would be evident in the five times more dark matter that we can't see but is influencing physical matter and the five other types of quarks that our universe renders stable in the standard model of particle generation. We've got three levels of quarks and they're anti-partners and pretty darn um, sh- good surety that there's no force density above that.
1: Are you saying that so antimatter?
6: matter So evaporate in ours.
1: Are you saying that the antimatter then that we observe exists outside? So our our bubble has matter and that the antimatter we observe, the reason we can't find it is because it exists outside of our bubble?
6: Outside of our membrane, but yeah, inside membrane, the yeah. same universal bubble. So it's still within the, so here,
1: I got you. All of
6: matter is like cool colors in the rainbow and all of antimatter are the warm colors.
1: And this They're is just an analogy, right?
6: But they are separate. Yeah, it's an analogy. Okay. We cool. can get into geometry, but that's a little No no, no let's
1: keep it at analogies because I'm really grasping to understand all sure. this. <laughs> sure. Okay, so we have all so, the spectrum yeah, and I get um, it, so keep going. Yeah, it's
6: spectrum apart, and our our region is directly surrounded by another larger region that would pattern for the next density level of matter type particles. So, you could call it a, a parallel realm. Um, I just call it a parallel membrane. Uh, and yeah. they all occupy one single universe. So, each universe that gets lofted open in this has an antimatter side and a matter side because they are inverse to each other. Okay. Okay. And the charge inversion between
1: matter and antimatter switches the right. positive and negative between exactly. the Exactly. Yeah, and I inside. do understand that. Yeah. And that if they, if they okay. hit, then they so, abolish each other or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
6: So uh, you're familiar with um, cymatics, like sound or vibration, creating forms mm-hmm. of sand? Yeah, totally. Okay. Cool. So similarly, in like a bucket full of water, we got a round bucket full of water. When you vibrate it, it makes circular rings going to the inside. If you had a square bucket full of water and you vibrate it, those square boundaries would make a square wave going on the inside. So what would a spherical container, what kind of wave, internal waveform would that make? I'm thinking spherical. So that's where you get the beginning of, the, uh, of uh, atomic anatomy as like this, like a note inside of an instrument body. And the instrument body is the universe itself, and its outer periphery is spherical. There's one more feature that splits this into two equal hemispheres, a top half and a bottom half. Um, like a, um, like a disc or the surface of water. If you could think at the bottom of this bubble, full fill of water. So the stuff above that surface has an inverse orientation to the stuff below that surface.
1: Okay. So I need to cut you so off again really there. quick. And I'm going to be the jerk that keeps cutting you off because once it starts going over my head, I, I, I can visually follow it and then I can't. And what I'm worried about is that a lot of our listeners are probably on the same page as me. Um. Because okay. you're getting into some really scientific, heavily, like the physics stuff. So you said, hey, let me finish. Let me finish. And I really want yeah, you to no. finish. But if we could just slowly go point by point and just make sure that.
2: Sure. Um, is this, are you, adhe- just read. to clarify, are you adhering to like M theory? Is that the direction that uh, that you're going uh, with the, this, the whole construct that, that, you're, that you're talking about here is, is that what we're visualizing as a, oh, as a form of M theory?
6: what i understand of m theory is that there's a larger background bulk and there are membranes traveling through it and at the intersection or or interaction of those membranes, space times get locked open is that your understanding
2: okay um yeah I, I, my my understanding of m theory uh as a, a concept is is more simple than that but uh <laughs> but yeah i'll just uh I, I, as far as what you said, you said there, I, I'm not sure if that properly describes it or not, but I am I just wondering, uh, okay. uh, cause I, I again, I have a more simplified version of it. So go ahead.
1: Um, well, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering no, if you could do something for me, Isaiah. Could, could you do me a uh, favor? I'm sorry, I was wondering if you could do me a, a favor, like while we're having this conversation, it's going to sound really pedantic, Perfect. but, um. When it comes to physics and arguments about physics, I think the best people to have that are physicians, like not physicians, my brain's (laughs) Physics. (laughs) (laughs) Physicists. Physicists. Thank you. My brain went There's just too many things cramming into it right now. Um, So when it, when it comes to the the minute details of these theories, the best people to have these conversations are the ones that are experts at it. So when you're, when you're talking to us on a show or when the audience is listening, is there, it's going to sound really horrible, but is there any way of like putting it at like a, fifth grade level where it's like okay you have these marbles in a jar and then you have sand that fills in the space between the marbles and then you have like jelly that goes between the sand i mean something that kind of makes it oh, a little totally bit yeah and i'm sorry i hate to... yeah, because what totally. right now what we're doing is we're talking over everybody's head and i'm not sure how we can determine no, I whether appreciate or not... it. yeah no i actually appreciate it that you're no, willing I, to do that I
6: definitely appreciate it. thank you for, for <laughs> bringing it back down so yeah i can definitely use real easy examples for this so perfect um uh, let's Take an imaginary square piece of rubber, okay? It's a sheet of rubber, and you grab okay. one side at your chest, and you grab the other side with your other hand. So you've got a bunch of rubber in both hands. Now stretch your uh, outer hand out and keep one hand at your chest. So now
2: you got a like bunch of rubber this.
6: At, your, at your center, and you've got a handful of rubber as far out as your arm can stretch. Now you've got this like string, this stretch out thin piece of rubber. And if you kept on stretching, if it would never break, you, you would thin it out to the point it would be like an atom wide. You wouldn't even see it kind of thing. Right. You get that idea?
1: I Yeah, perfect. So
6: yeah. let's, okay, so now let's apply that to the beginning of a universe. So out of this, this infinite mass is kind of like rubber. And this is basic physics, equal opposite reaction, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So in order, we got to make a space in this stuff somehow. We haven't even gotten to a universe yet. So uh, it has to move, the, the original field has to move outward to make a voided space. That's our bubble. That's our universe. Well, an equal opposite reaction, it pulls to the center of that space as well and stretches out a field in between a center and a periphery.
1: And this is mathematical? Like you've seen, sort of like you've rubber... seen the math on this? Or is it hypothetical? I'm... Yeah. Okay. No, there's there's okay. and I'm not doubting on, the math. Um, I'm just wondering.
6: The... Yeah. No, well the field would has an eightfold symmetry. And so I would look for something like octonians in the uh, in the math involving subatomic particles. It's way the hell over my head, but I was about I, to say you're I'd slipping back into genius talk on, again. Like... <laughs> 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 so uh, yeah, the that center and periphery—that really basic, basic shape. These are just spheres. If you cut that in half, how do you write it? Um, it's a two-dimensional object now. It's a circle around a dot, which is an extremely old symbol for God and for the beginning. It's found in Ra's name. It's found. Um, it, it's called the circumpunct. It's formed with a the compass. There's so much myth and legend around that symbol. It goes way back to the origins of our uh, of our our mythos, our religions, and things like that. So one of the ways I look at our mythos and history is that there was a time when we knew kind of how the universe works. I see, I don't see civilization rising as a linear ascent. We've risen and fallen and risen and fallen. And I am I got all this just from considering an actual incident and applying equal optic
1: Pretty Pretty okay. basic stuff. So now we're moving on to something a little bit different, which the- is... Which well, is real like,
2: quick, uh, can I just, I want to thank Ian Davenport for his, uh, his. Uh, Ooh,
1: thank, I'm so into this. I'm not paying attention. Yeah. yeah his, thank his, you, his super, Ian. <laughs> his,
2: his sticker. Thank you,
1: Ian. Yeah. So thank now you. we're moving on to something a little bit different, which is the the civilizations and and the advanced technology civilization theory. And I've, I've heard it a lot and I found some arguments compelling and some arguments not compelling, but what I want to yeah. know from you kind of is um, you have this whole sort of and I hate to put it this way, but it almost sounds like you have sort of like this this religion or this worldview built around this this theory. And my question is, if there's so much science behind it, and if if it's so sound, why is this not the prevailing theory?
6: Uh, honestly, I several reasons. Actually, okay. uh, some of the leading scientists, both geologists, um, cosmologists, and everything, had an initial bias against any kind of religious story. So anything that was discovered that it remotely could be attributed to something biblical was eschewed or shunned. And certainly that's not like pure science, but nonetheless, it was part of the the social milieu at the time. And I think science is still catching up. And it's great that we go off what we observe and what we can test and everything. But again, we gotta we got to imagine outside the boxes that we describe for
2: ourselves. I'm, I'm actually really interested in that... Uh... This idea that uh, that the scientific community has a, a like a like a bias towards uh, uh, religious concepts. It, it, it seems like more what's happened is that uh, the, the the religious concepts didn't hold up to uh, the scientific method and where they don't hold up the scientific oh, really? method.
1: Yeah, I think the first problem that I have with that yeah, claim is a that a lot of the quite early scientists were Christian. And they were they were trying really hard to prove their oh. cosmology. And in some cases, they were sort of, in some <laughs> yes. ways, able to. So I don't really see that particular yes. argument holding up.
0: And then the other thing okay. is
1: a lot of so, these things that you're talking about like are anti-Christian. Like, none of, none of this stuff that you've presented supports Christianity. So I'm I'm really having a hard time with that one.
6: I'm not necessarily trying to support Christianity, but I do see it as an instructional mythos, which is... Is more than we really have time to get into. Let me give you an ex- a specific example. In geology, the early geologists were catastrophists. The evidence they found suggested that some huge freaking thing happened not all that far in the past, maybe 13,000 years ago or so, and it totally rearranged the landscape. Well, it was too close to like the Great Flood and things like that. So a lot of the paradigm that was adopted and can be supported is gradually. Oh, 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 Wait, what about
2: geological? What ahead, catastrophe Ryan. what catastrophe are we talking about? I'm I'm a, like a, 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 uh, I'm a big nerd, so I I kind of like this stuff. Uh oh, yeah. Are we talking about like, the KT extinction yeah, event so. or the great dying uh which okay, the great dying would have been into the, the Permian uh 450 million years ago whereas the KT was uh, 65 million years ago. Both were huge, catastrophic uh, extinction events, but there were there are six of them altogether that have hit uh, over the last uh, billion years or so. So is is one of those specifically the catastrophic event that you're referring to?
6: Yes, I think the main one that spawned most of the mythos was 13,000 years ago, and it was a multi-headed comet that wrapped around the planet. Uh, it ended the ice age. It was the cause of the younger driest uh, flash melt and then refreeze. It rose global ocean levels 400 feet, and there's there's evidence of a global firestorm in the northern hemisphere that was sparked off by it, it causing absolute climate
1: chaos for decades. Okay, and do modern geologists? So, do I'm that, not familiar with that particular one, and I'm I'm not going to claim who, to be very familiar with look, the geological history. Period. But um, other than just a passing yeah, knowledge, up, but um.
0: Yeah, well, cuz you said past geologists.
1: Past sure, and I'm not saying it didn't happen. What I'm asking is what what you were saying there's this, this conspiracy where early geologists didn't want these catastrophic events to match up with biblical history. I'm curious what modern geologists yes. think about all this stuff.
6: It's still it's still coming out. Um, So there's part of a crater that's been revealed in Greenland, the Hiawatha Crater, that matches the same time period. There's
4: huge,
6: huge, uh, you have to see it from the air to be able to appreciate the scale of splash damage these things did all around. Like these huge oval shaped, not necessarily craters, but just oval geologic features that are surrounding a much larger crater-like feature. Uh, One of the main ones is the Hiawatha Crater in Greenland. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And these, you know are, but these are scientists the that are discovering in? these things. Yes, geologists. One of them is Randall Carlson. He's, he, uh, he's, again, a bit of a, he's a bit out there, which is one of the reasons why I love him. Hell, I'm a bit out there. But he's a geologist, and he's showing um, scale and variance between uh, these massive runoffs creating, like, the, the Grand Canyon and the scab lands that you would have to have 300 feet of moving water to yank bedrock. Up off the ground and deposit way the hell away. Things like um uh there's a there's a smaller hypothesis of a lake, giant lake that was let go during the the beginning of the
1: ice age, and that did
2: all
5: mm-hmm. the
6: damage. Do you know well, what now, else moves yeah, really giant well. rocks
1: though? Like there's, oh, not there's only- lots of things, but oh, go ahead, go ahead, Brian. I was going to
2: say not only is the uh, is the theory of of, of the 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 cat- catastrophe with the lake. Uh, the, when the when the glaciers were were kind of receding, the lake that that broke open and just poured all of its water across yeah. North America, um, is that there's actually yeah. physical evidence for that event happening? Uh, we actually see. Yeah. Uh, you can actually stand up on the hill. The, I believe it's in the Black Hills in South Dakota. You can actually stand up and you can see where it uh, kind of washed out as that lake, as that dam broke. Uh, It was an ice, a dam of of ice and uh, just glacier material, rocks and tree branches and whatever Mm -hmm. got caught up in the Mm -hmm. ice. Yeah. Mm
6: -hmm. Yeah. No, we have evidence of a massive, um, pardon the term, flood of water at that time. But it's attributed to Lake, I believe Lake Okanagan, it was called. Um, and that, just just try to appreciate the kinetic force and release of a comet hitting uh, hitting the ice cap. I mean oh, they
1: impact monument
6: times faster than meteorites. The, the amount of heat and flash vaporizing of all that water would very easily account for not only the 200 foot rise, in uh, ocean level that was in two pulses, but also exactly what Lake Okanagan is, um, is attributed to having caused this massive washout that basically ended the megafauna of the North American continent.
2: Okay. Uh, and, and that's, that's, re- a, it, that's a, when it comes to megafauna, this is a topic I just love. Um, oh, I love so it. we can actually, uh,
5: trace the, Thank you.
2: <laughs> we can actually trace the, the extinction uh, events of the megafauna to The earliest, like in some North America, you see it with the arrival of the the Clovis people. Uh, Now, humanity uh, evolved; Mm -hmm. uh, they evolved in in Africa, and then uh, uh, civilization evolved in the Middle East. So, uh, humans have been kicking around Africa for uh, a couple million years. Uh, We've been in the Middle East Mm -hmm. and the uh, Indian subcontinent uh, for maybe a half yeah. a million years shorter than that but we've been there for a long time so the the megafauna in those areas uh basically are they evolved alongside of us so uh, they really have this uh, this yep. natural uh uh drive to coexist with us in these in these instincts that these uh, animals in other areas of the world just didn't have so when when you know these two-legged apes uh arrived in in north america the the mammoths and the giant ground sloths really didn't uh uh, they didn't know to to be scared of of them, so it, it, there was this mass extinction event that just rolled along, uh, and you can actually trace the 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 last evidence of these animals with the arrival of humans to within. Sometimes, while well, we're still seeing, it, we've seen it in in modern time, because the uh, like the islands in the Pacific, those were kind of the, the last vestige of these uh, these rare giant animals, uh, and as soon as people came to those islands they wiped them out too. you see like the moa the dodo uh es- yeah. essentially birds are really uh, really prone to uh to suffer from this in, in island Definitely, conditions yeah. uh south america was actually really? an island too and got connected with north okay i'm, I'm going off on uh, a tangent here okay so south america was connected by the time people yeah. got there anyway but uh we actually uh can can Clock the uh, the movement of of humanity across the globe with these major extinction events. Now, I'm not saying no animals died an impact event. I'm not saying no animals died mm-hmm. uh, in that in that flood during the uh, the younger Dryas.
1: Or from climate uh, change. However,
2: I am I am leaning cooler. more towards uh, humanity being the cause of the extinction of the megafauna across the globe.
6: Yeah. I mean, certainly they would have been dealt a huge blow, like the dinosaurs were. All the big, complex organisms, organisms are going to have an extremely hard time when the normal environmental balance is just thrown into absolute chaos. There's no sunlight for, I don't know, weeks or months or more. And so those, those the ones that survive would be easily picked off by man as well. Um, a real interesting feature off the coast of Russia are called the Bone Islands, and it's just piles and piles and piles of megafauna bones like so wanna, they were apart from some huge
1: wash i kind of want to back this up a little bit because uh, we're getting down this like incredibly geeky and fun sort of like yeah. rabbit hole but yes. the whole and i love it like yes i mean no i'm gonna have to Thank like you. hit brian up in private and be like hey i'm a cultural anthropologist and you're a geek and let's get together and talk but okay so the original question though getting kind of back to, to and that and getting, back on track. is um, So you have these extinction yeah. events, you have this sort of conspiracy that you have with scientists either purposely misrepresenting or whatever um, these natural it phenomena or, it. Like let's just say that there's, there's two or three different reasons why scientists can give misinformation. Let's say one of them is they deliberately want to lie. One of them is that they just get the information wrong and the other one is that they do the best with the information that they have but that they're missing other information. And I'm sure that there's a myriad other reasons why scientists get things wrong but let's just kind of go with that for a second and let's say yes scientists got things Mm -hmm. wrong what about your specific theory um like what makes yours more true or why why is yours the correct version versus what's mainstream um
6: i I just i think it's plausible with all the evidence i have been able to find and that takes a long time to get into a mainstream story so like the mainstream story we have is is the paradigm of the last several decades. And we keep learning, we keep updating. It's like, oh, we learn more about magnetism. It's not a supernatural effect. It's because the, all the atoms are in alignment, sharing electrons and things like that. So um, I think well, it's a constant discovery. Uh, I think we're in the process of still writing uh, our past story. And I think that uh, this catastrophe is part of it. I think it both lends to fallen angel mythos and global flood mythos. Uh, we had an so impact it, in the Indian Ocean.
1: What I hear you saying is that a lot of these yeah. um, myths and stuff that we have from all these different religions, that they can be related back to different events. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Like, so, So, for example, if for there, was, the, if there yeah, was a great a large, large flood degree. that... Well, I'm sorry, go ahead.
6: Well, just think about it. You have a multi-headed comet flying down towards the Earth, sw- sweeping what do you want to call it a third of the stars out of the sky with its tail bringing hell to earth and all this fallen angel rebel angel mythos is easily easily explained by comet impacts we oh, have a major one five thousand five hundred yeah. years ago in the indian ocean called the purple crater uh we've yeah. got cuneiform writing uh talking about this happen- happening the sumerians documented this we have the egyptians saying that sent Segment down in the form of a big shaggy lion's head, and and uh, the Nile was filled with blood from her wrath.
1: Yes, yeah, so what would a
6: comet be? Missile, mis- mis- So, mis- mis- so
1: I completely agree. Like I, we even have comets that strike today, right? Like comets are not new, and they they go back um, way before there were humans. And so I agree with you that when when you yeah. talk about these cataclysmic events, whether it's a comet or a flood um, or earthquake, volcano, whatever that a lot of times they were related to deities and they were worked into the the myths and the religions of that time. Um, In fact, I've even heard it said that that Yahweh, the God of um, the the Jewish tradition, started out as a volcano and a war God. And now don't quote me on that. It's just something I heard. But if you go back through um, (laughs) religious history and, and where it all connects, you can definitely see where, at least in part, the myths are based on their perceptions of reality. Now, where things get added to it mm-hmm. is where we start to get into whether it's true or not. My question is, like, so I'm, yeah. I'm agreeing with you there, but you made the claim that um, we have this, these rise and falls in technology. And to a certain degree, I would tend to agree with you. Like, we had the wiping out of the Alexandria Library. And that's in modern history. We know that yeah. happened. right? So I'm we know that information that. gets lost. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah. I, I would love to know what was in there. Right. Technologies um, get
2: lost, too. There's All there's, the
1: time. Yeah. Yeah. But what you're yeah. talking about is sort yeah. of like this, right. this ancient, we used to know the secrets of the universe. And that's why we have this circle and this dot. That's where you're losing me. Like, where, where do you get that from? Okay.
5: So
6: the idea of infinity has been around a long time. If you want a secular example, check out uh, Chaos, Prima Materia, and uh, apeiron from Greece. That was by Anaximander, apeiron. This mm-hmm. formless primordial substance that all the different things are made out of. Um, this goes back even further. It's called the Cosmic Ocean Cosmogony. The Egyptians had it. The Sumerians I had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Egyptians started with with a great watery expanse called Nun. was the god Nun. And there was no space for creation. So Nun made a bubble inside of itself. And then a primordial mound in the center of the bubble. And Ra arose on that mound and started started creating things by speaking them into beings.
1: Yeah. So, so there's actually right there, there, there's actually a lot know, of ancient myths that involve water creation. Yeah. They can sort of group together yeah. different yeah, so creation what, myths. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, then you think about the it's way so that deep. we reproduce and the water breaking. So wherever that, that baby is coming from,
1: it's, I would it's say it's water, even more so. simple than that. I would say we're always like we're surrounded by water. The, the earth is mostly water and like water is, is a yeah. big part. We're mostly water. Yeah. Mo- I yeah. So I I yeah. I can see how um, life coming from water naturally, like what he said, in the womb and um, the fact that, that so much of the earth is covered in water. The water myth isn't really that compelling to me in terms of how it relates to, like, very specifically to your claims, where, I, I mean, okay. I, I... What?
6: I got it. I got your answer. Okay. I have your answer. What is the closest analogous physical thing that humans can see and touch and play in that would represent an infinite expanse of undifferentiated substance, substance that can just become any shape you want it to make, what would we use? If I was going to tell a story about the infinite singularity that made all things, what human
2: level oh yeah like water I yeah, yeah for sure I, i'm with you and in the in the, ocean, the way that the we translate ocean. the ancient yeah. texts and stuff we we the, the word water a lot is used for uh sometimes the the modern books will tra- translate it to like ether or something along those lines but they we we make it an <laughs> analog to water i get you there i'm with you there and that's i'm on board with that go ahead
6: yeah i just think it's such a highly functional symbol which is why it would be Storified for passing down through time in more primitive cultures that have no idea about universal beginnings or have even thought about it or, or anything like that. So, and then again, just, just considering basic physics equal opposite reaction. If this infinite ocean has to move away from a space to make a bubble for creation, it also has to move to the center of that space. Equal opposite reaction. So, that's where I get the circle around the dot. And that, as a vibratory container, patterns directly for atoms. A peripheral sphere-like, uh, and we've got the cloud model of electrons, but it's sphere-ish with a nucleus. And you've got so, a probability field strung out between it that the electrons appear in.
1: So I have a question about like ancient symbology, so, right? So the circle and dot is very, very, very popular in ancient symbology throughout many different cultures, and it has many different meanings. Sometimes it's the sun sometimes it's the earth, sometimes it's directions. Um, I just recently learned that the petroglyphs in the area that I live are actually directional. So when you see like um, a yeah. a um, buffalo and it has a certain number of things taken off of its head, the buffalo actually signifies something and those things signify the distance where they found it, right? Like a water is X number of miles cool. away or whatever. So that you have this symbology that already has a meaning and we can determine some of the meanings. Yeah. So my question is, if, yeah. if, if the circle and the dot exists with a, specific given meaning that we know about how do you determine that this other one that exists that we don't know the meaning to it how do you determine that that is the meaning of that that circle and that dot like where is that recorded i I don't i just find okay i find it plausible is what i have to say i like that i love that uh, you use the word
6: plausible. neat that you mentioned that (laughs) i find it more plausible than anything else i've heard and i'm very open to hearing more things that's circle around the dot in trail sign if you're walking on a trail and you find that sign whoever left it they mean they have gone back home the way that they came i, I do not was know so that. cool. like the I hobo
2: signs or, or whatever the traveler signs is that that is that where that one comes uh, from
6: it's it, it i guess i don't know it's just it's known as trail sign that like instead of a, an arrow or a cairn just pointing where you go you you've reached the end of someone else's trail and that sign means that they have gone back home that the way that they came, they haven't gone any other way. They haven't gone further than that circle and that dot.
1: Okay. So I think you're, you're almost, you're almost like proving my point that there's a lot of different meanings behind that symbol. And so if we're going to, if we're going to assign meaning to something and we do this all the time as anthropologists and as, um, as, uh, archaeologists where, um, someone will find something. And because a similar culture has a similar thing, they will assign meaning to that thing without necessarily knowing. And then as they do more research, now they've got to turn around and put their foot in their mouth and they have to correct themselves. And that's why we get so much bad press Mm -hmm. is because what we try to do as people is as soon as we have a thing, we try to come up with the answer to it or the story behind it or the reason for it. And then we find that as we learn more and more and more, we're wrong. Right. So I guess story making it. Yes. And (laughs) And you, my friend, are human too. So I think my my point is that it sounds like you have a really good claim, or maybe even yeah. I mean, it could. I hate to say that it's just a neat story. Like I, I'm not going to belittle it that much and just say, oh, that's a cool idea. Like you have something that's really complicated. <laughs> it's really articulate. It's really well thought out. Um, but it's still at that claim stage. So I think my question is, yeah. how do you get yourself? Or how do you inspire somebody else or a scientist to get from, hey, we have all these different theories about the the beginning of the universe and the nature of the universe. Here's mine, mm. let's test it. Like what's what's step two for you?
6: Okay. All right, the test I use is math and geometry. And just, um, you, gotta, you gotta do a little bit of logic work, very little, before you get to the geometry that gives you, um, gives you testable answers on what we'd find in universal phenomenon. So it's simply this. The infinite one expanse, its waveform, are infinite ones. The original field was at maximum density, so the waveform is also at maximum density. The simplest possible expansive shape is a sphere. So what kind of prediction does a a maximum sphere pack, they're all the same size, they're all the same expression of the same original thing, how much space does each sphere take up versus the space between the spheres? Okay, this is this is a so, hard so Isaiah, is, uh, we're getting hard, but this is, a, getting, this is a
1: known mathematical problem. Yeah, we're getting back into and the heavy, me, heavy so physics just, of it. Yeah. We don't we don't have any time because we're at the end of the I show. Know. I guess my question is like you're at the point now uh, where if this is going to be I'll viable, put you put, need put, to move yeah. it forward, like not with us, not on this show, but like if this is a viable theory for the actual reality of our of our universe, it needs to be tested and, and put yeah. through peer review and talked about with scientists and like Brian That's and I reality. are duly yeah. unqualified to, to do that but what I'm thinking is it's, it's you have this very complex idea I don't see where you're making the same connections I don't make the same connections you make but that doesn't mean that I'm right so I guess that's where that that's right. where we're yeah, no. or that you're right and I appreciate that sort of honesty I think that's phenomenal like I think for for this to become viable mm-hmm. it needs more than just a discussion between the three of us
2: yeah, it's really uh, interesting ideas, and I like uh, I like uh, brainstorming about you know speculative uh, history as well. So uh, I'm always down for that. Can but finish. Go ahead. Uh,
6: finish real quick because I, I, I want to be able to give the physicist something to actually chew on.
1: I think that's something that you're going to have to do, okay. honestly, like through through academic channels. Like I I think uh, if you just spout it off okay. here. Yeah, I'm sorry, because we are at the end of the show. I mean, we actually have look, gone look, a little bit over.
6: But... You can look up sphere packing. Now, look I'm, up what? I'm sorry, but you can look up sphere packing on, on the wiki. It's a known mathematical okay. problem. It's called the cannonball problem or the yeah, orange Stacking problem. spheres together. I, I don't yeah. get it.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I understand yeah. the, so the, the issue. Okay,
6: my okay. last sentence on this is that the percentage of space that the expanded spheres take up is, set, is just about 74% of the whole. The space between the spheres, where the original field is now contracted into motion, is 26% of the total. Okay, this is, this is math beyond my ability to do, but luckily there's a lot more smart people that have done this and found this to a high degree of surety. What is the dark energy expansive constant versus the gravitational constant that we find in this universe? It's 74% expansion to about 26% gravitational contraction. And that gravitational contraction is is one part matter that we can see in five parts dark matter. So that's where my logic hits the mathematical rubber road. That's where and so that's where that's where
1: you need to go model. and take it forward. Yeah, and get it tested yeah. and get it talked about. Because- that's... Uh- because for as me as a lay person to be like, my, yeah, the two numbers head. are the same. I, yeah, I can't confirm that for you. But
2: I'm just taking your word for a lot of the though. things you're saying tonight, uh, yeah. <laughs> honestly.
6: No, look, look it up. I, 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 yeah, I use a lot of different words and I, I've checked all this myself. I do string it together, but um, I can back it up. And I thank you so much for the opportunity to chat and share it with you. I do no, appreciate that it. that
1: is fascinating, yeah. and And I hope that it was more me Asking questions out of sheer ignorance than me trying to tear your argument apart. Um, I say, if you think you have something that that's that solid, that it needs to move forward because um, every single brain that we have in the game trying to figure out our world and our past and our history is one more and brain. If,
2: if you do move forward on that, let us know. I'd totally. be interesting to have a interesting to have a follow up about that. So.
1: Yeah, Brian was putting links in the chat for me about some of the stuff you were talking about. So don't think I won't be looking this stuff up and learning more about it because it fascinates me. But it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's so far I'll put over my links head. Links in
6: the chat too of some of the stuff that I found. Definitely for your
2: yeah. Thank you. Well, we, we always appreciate your calls here, Isaiah. But we're uh, we're, we're fixing to wrap up. So uh, uh, for sure. Cheers, Brian. Have a, thank you, and
6: thank you, Laura.
1: Yeah, thank you, Isaiah. It was a pleasure.
2: Yeah, have a pleasant e- evening on the yeah, island there.
1: Yeah, a little jealous.
2: <laughs> uh, aloha.
1: Aloha.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: That was really cool. There was a lot there.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I was <laughs> definitely not capable of handling that. Oh. Call. It's just like that stuff goes over my head very quickly.
1: Yeah, I think honestly, I-, I enjoy that he was so patient with me because I had more questions than I did actual discussion. Um, but that, but I appreciate that. Cause that's how we learn and that's how we like stretch our comfort zones. So man, yeah, there, cool.
2: there was a lot there, especially with the math stuff. I was, uh, I, I, I think I would need a whiteboard to try to keep up with, <laughs> oh, with yeah. all that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, what did you think of your first episode, Laura?
1: Oh, I loved it. That was so much fun. Yeah. Dude. I could not talk to any one of them for so much longer for hours. You, yeah.
0: You are a natural at this, like. <laughs> Holy crap, man. You're, you're pretty damn
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> no, there were a few times where my brain got ahead of my mouth and I just started like, <laughs> but I think a lot and it's like, yeah, they really had me going. It was good.
0: Good. Yeah. So what do you have going on?
1: Um. Well, Um. Skeptic Hangout, our latest episode came out today. Wait, Today is Tuesday. Comes out tomorrow. I'm sorry. So check out the latest episode of Skeptic Hangout tomorrow and it comes out every Wednesday. Um, And then I really got to get on top of making another unapologetically me video. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Yeah. And then, Oh, and nonprofits. Yeah. I'll be on nonprofits this Sunday.
0: It's a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a good show. What about you, Brian? Uh, Well,
2: I have a a review of a uh, tomorrow at, uh, I think I I got scheduled for three. I have a video coming out about the uh, evolution of bioluminescence. Um, so that's pretty cool. And, uh, then this Saturday, uh, I, we may be talking about doing some, uh, I'm going to be doing a live stream. Uh, depending on who I get on there, we're either going to talk about how to, uh, properly vet information about, uh, uh, the current, uh, Uh, vaccinations and stuff that people are are putting out. So we may do that uh, to how to, how to do the proper research and go through and fact check things that that claims that we see. but it's going to depend on if I can, I want to get somebody who uh, knows their way around some virology and immunology before I delve into it too much. So that'd be cool.
0: Uh, Dale says, Brian was awesome. And I want a shirt, Laura. Can I get a closer look at the art behind you?
1: I'll get out of the way. So it's, it's Lake Tahoe, Nevada, slash California. And my grandma painted it because she used to own an art gallery. Um,
0: And then someone said they liked my shirt. Let me show you these. Yeah, image.
1: you always have the most awesome shirts. It's cats, baby. Totally jelly. Yeah, I have a whole closet,
0: bleh, closet full of these. Um, <laughs> although I've got my few favorites now that I wear all the time, despite having like... I think I have one... For I could wear a new one every day for about 20 days. Um, so yeah, the original goal was to get enough so I have one for uh, uh, one new one for a month straight. (laughs) So you never wear wear the same one twice in a month, right? Exactly. So I could always just keep switching these shirts. I started originally, I wasn't wearing them like when I would go out, but then I was like, dude, these shirts are me. So I go to the store in in these outfits and it's always, you get looks, which is cool. Cause to me, they, my clothes show my personality and if I'm just walking around normally uh, my personality doesn't show, but with this shirt it shows.
1: That is awesome. I love it.
0: Um, So uh, we'll be back here next week. Next Tuesday is going to be crap. Who's it gonna be? I totally forgot.
1: Oh no! Let's look. Uh, Let's look
0: uh, online. I'm going quickly. Hang on. Oh, 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 oh! Kenneth Leonard and Martin Robert.
1: I was just about to pull you up on Facebook. Okay. Kenneth
0: and Martin, and then uh, after that, who we we got? uh, You said you were
1: on like the next, like not. And then Richard.
0: No, then you're on the following. Uh, Brian, did I mess that up? You're no,
2: you got it. I'm on the fourth. Yeah, on the fourth. May Uh, the fourth. You're on May the
1: 4th. Oh, I'll be there.
0: We're trying to think of like a Star Wars thing to do, like a special Star Wars episode of The Perspective. But I don't know. Maybe like investigate the Force.
1: I don't know. But make it about aliens and make it about the Force. Yeah. Like some sort of psychic or, or, yeah.
0: Are psychic abilities possible or telekinetic abilities? Psionics. Yeah. I'm Dude, sorry. I used to always, well, I still wish I had that, but that'd be so cool. Just be able to be like, boom and shoot something. I used up. to
2: sit when I was a little kid and try to see if I can move stuff. I'm like, if I just... Same. just
0: right. <laughs> like, breaking out in a sweat, like, not yeah, knowing how i to grip phone. my teeth That's hard thing.
1: enough. Yeah. See, I use science. I'm like, hey, kids, can you give me my drink? And they're like, oh, okay. And they hand it to me. I'm like, see, I just use Ooh. my brain to move that cup.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're quick. Um, Every Thursday, I have a show with Hannah Vaughn called The Pickup Line, where we tackle dating, relationships, and sex. And every Sunday with Jenna Belk – sorry, my brain's not processing information (laughs) right now – youtube.com slash the Ethan and Jenna Show. And then Monday, I'm super, super, super excited. New show um, with Vila Bianca hosting, and our first two guests are going to be Kenneth Leonard – and Shannon Q and the format may sound familiar they will be debating three topics while eating progressively hotter wings so it's gonna be so much
1: fun okay so my question is how do you get through three topics like I get debating a topic but do they switch after like every like two um hot wings or how does that work
0: you know we're still figuring that out <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, realized tune in Monday and see now. what he figures out. I, we need to figure out like is it two per topic and how long are we going. Yeah, yeah. gonna have yeah. to work on that. Yeah, you're so welcome for that. I don't show, charge. I'm messaging B <laughs> me to get that figured out. Um, yeah, so it's gonna be fun. And I, I accidentally turned my mic way louder, so I have to like stand back. But, anyways, that's that's all I have. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Brian. Any time. As so fun. always, their links are going to be in the description, and uh, I hope everyone has a safe and wonderful week.
1: Yes, definitely. Bye, everybody.
0: All right, we are backstage with the perspective with Laura and Brian and myself and i wish you could hear them right now and you can't and the only I am recording this is because i completely forgot to do a uh <laughs> help me out here and credit scene dude my brain's not working right now hope you enjoyed the show we'll be back for the perspective next week oh and sorry this just came in uh thank you godless uh blessings for the the $2 super chat it's very nice of you Oh, oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot this, too. My brain's all over the place tonight. Let me thank my patrons, uh, Cindy Plaza, Kenneth Leonard, Kathy Leto, Jump Shoot, Oz, Secular Rarity, Chianta and Fava Beans, Philip Leach, Caitlin Beyond, Toast, uh, Richard Gilliver. Thank you, uh, all of you. I appreciate your patronage, and have a wonderful night. Crap. Hang on. I- I'm going to get this one second.